Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together Bruce and I have written 35 cookbooks, including the brand new upcoming next month Instant Pot Bible, The Next Generation. So we know a few things about food and cooking, and today (laughs) we want to share some of our insight with you, and we want to talk about... Well, here's an interesting thing. We want to talk about when you should splurge a bit when you're shopping in the supermarket. You want to explain a little more about that? Yeah, well, what what we're talking about is what when you, where do you spend your money and when should you spend a little more money for much, much better results? Not when you should – we're going to talk about a couple of things that you should uh, cheap you should routinely cheap out on. Right. But we'll get to that at the end. But we're going to first talk about uh, – and we're talking here about the difference in 50 cents, 75 cents a dollar. Yeah, we're not talking about, you know – encouraging you to spend thirty dollars on no, something no. in the supermarket. We're talking about no. let's start the difference between a dollar seventy five bottle of barbecue sauce and a two ninety nine bottle of barbecue yeah, sauce. Yeah, this one's kicker. And quite honestly, there's a huge difference between the higher end barbecue sauces. The lower ends are going to be made with corn syrup and artificial flavors and artificial smoke and so much sugar. And if you take a look at the ingredients, you'll find some of the higher end stuff, the sweeteners are honey and maple syrup or even cane sugar, not right. corn syrup. They're made with you know better spices. They're made with more right. interesting vinegars. Um, they're, the lower M ones are going to have all sorts of guar gum and thickeners and the more expensive the, ones won't. So look at the labels. The upper end ones are gonna have tomatoes, the lower end ones are gonna have tomato paste yeah. generally or a tomato. <laughs> a tomato isolate in them um <laughs> oh, uh, and it this is this is a matter of i and i'm going to say this over and over again probably in this podcast but we're not talking about walk up to the barbecue sauces and find the most expensive no. one and pull it off the shelf because that also doesn't work no. we're just talking about when you should up the game a little bit and this is a matter of reading the label and seeing how to up the, it is up in the fact game. you know the first time we have a little farm market near it's called Freund's, and the first time i i really shout out to shout out to teresa and mike teresa Freund yeah. in northwest connecticut and um, she, a few years ago, she put this barbecue sauce on the shelves, which I hadn't seen in the supermarket. It's called Rufus Teague's. And it was like in a hip <laughs> flask kind of bottle. I thought, oh, it's kind now of. Now it's everywhere. And right? it was like eight bucks a bottle. I thought, that's a lot for barbecue sauce. But I read the ingredients, and there was only really good stuff in it. And so I tried it. And you know, it was good. And it's not the kind of barbecue sauce you're going to dump on the chicken when you first put it on the grill till it's incinerated and charred beyond belief and you don't even taste it anymore. All you're tasting is carbon the way Mark likes it. It's the kind of barbecue sauce you put on at the last few minutes just to glaze it so you actually taste the flavor of the sauce. Now that Rufus Teague is in a lot of stores. Right. So read the labels. Just because something is more expensive doesn't mean it's great. So look at the labels and then choose that way. But you're better off spending yeah, well, a few a few cents more on a better I, sauce. I just want to say that we're just talking about the difference between how we barbecue chicken. And the way I barbecue chicken is that I put the sauce on first and put it on the grill for 20 minutes so the sauce becomes a blackened carbonate. And, and if he uses then, the $8 barbecue sauce when he does that, he's I in trouble. put more barbecue sauce on it at the very end. So I want the carbonate underlayer. Uh, Bruce is the purist, and he grills the chicken, and then only in the last five minutes swabs it with the barbecue because sauce. Because I'm using really good barbecue sauce. Yeah, whatever. I want the carbon char. Well, that... then you can use crappy barbecue sauce when it's on sale for 99 cents a <laughs> bottle to char it. Maybe so. so. Okay, so now I'm going to give another example of when you can splurge just a bit. And you can splurge just a bit on Parmigiano-Reggiano. In fact, you should splurge just a bit on Parmigiano Reggiano. I'll explain what that is. Some people don't even know what Parmesan. that means. It's Parmesan, Parmesan cheese. cheese. And you should 
splurge a bit here. Here's why. And this is really, this is hard to talk about, but okay, here we go. Many non-brand, non-Italian Parmigiano Reggiano cheeses are made with all kinds of chemicals and stabilizers and in fact even MSG and here comes the really horrible thing even food grade wood pulp yeah it's in those green cans a, a terrible with- thing and well in the green can sometimes it's nothing but oil but right. oil with basically stabilizers to hold it together but let me just say you said um the the non Italian kinds of Parmigiano Reggiano. Well, in the U.S., the other cheeses are just called Parmesan cheese. So you want to splurge and get the real stuff from and Italy. The way you know that is you want a bit. You want to buy a chunk off a wheel. It's expensive, and if possible, you want to at least at see see part of the name Parmigiano Reggiano stamped on the rind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look, you don't have to pick up a piece with a rind. In fact, you can pick up a chunk that doesn't have any. That's rind. the trick I do. I dig through. I, I make sure that the pile of cheese is a. True Parmigiano Reggiano by seeing the rinds. And then because I want to get a, more cheese for my money, I dig through and find go. a piece without the rind, and it's all edible cheese. That's yes, it. I know the rind is edible, and you could save them and put them in soups, but I'm talking about grating it up to put on pasta, and I don't want to waste my money on the rind. That's right. And you can save those rinds, as Bruce said, but it, but he's right. You, If you dig through and you know you've got a batch of real Parmigiano-Reggiano in chunks there, look for one with the most amount of cheese on it because it's expensive. No. But this is really important to spend money here because... Because the canned stuff and even some of the pre-graded stuff in U.S. supermarkets can be of superior inferior (laughs) quality. But let me say, though, there is is a middle ground. And it's true. The true Parmigiano-Reggiano is going to run you anywhere from $16 to $24 a pound. And that's a lot lot of money. It's a lot. So if you go to the cheese counter in your store, um, near that Parmigiano-Reggiano, there might also be wedges of parmesan cheese that are not reggiano but they're better than the pre-graded shelf stable cans right yeah um, there are some american makers of parmesan cheese where you'll get it in a in a, it's a they'll say aged eight to ten months it's not as fine a quality as parmigiano reggiano but it is a step up and worth spending the little extra money on that than the can and you really really want to pull away from the stuff that is pre-graded and made essentially with food grade wood filler yeah. because it is really not worth the time and it's not worth the dietary concerns to eat it okay so what's next okay now we're going to talk about canned tuna you get what you pay for <laughs> Um, now, it, let I, me. I feel that way about dating. Please go ahead. Here we go again. The caveat is you may not like the kind of canned tuna I like. And what I like tends to be more expensive. I like yellowfin tuna as opposed to albacore. And I like it for a couple of reasons. One, it's more sustainable. Two, it's healthier. Albacore has higher concentrations of mercury. Yellowfin doesn't. Um, I also like the yellowfin when it's packed in olive oil. That makes it a little more expensive than being packed in water. So there's a there's a couple of things to look at here, what you like as well as the money. But I do think you're going to get a higher quality tuna um, if you spend a little more. Now, I'm not suggesting go to those little jars of Italian tuna that are $15 are a jar. Delicious. They're delicious, like tuna confit in a jar. That's a really nice splurge. And if you do that, 
don't mix that up into tuna salad. <laughs> just take that out and eat chunks of it <laughs> on a mayonnaise. cracker. Mm. Just no, see tuna that, salad. But that's the difference. When you open up a cheap can of tuna, you want to mix it with mayonnaise and celery and minced onion. You right, want to make right, a salad. Right. If you open a good can or a good jar of Italian tuna in olive oil, this is the kind of fish that you take out and you just eat it. And you eat it with a spoon, with a fork on a cracker. Eat it with a little piece of cheese. It's, God, it's great. Yeah. Um, so I think that the the thing here is that you want to look for better quality tuna, right? Yeah, so you do. You want to go with yellowfin, not albacore. Um, you do. And preferably, if you're getting it packed in oil, get it packed in olive oil and not a crappy, tasteless vegetable oil. Okay. So I'm moving on to what I also think is uh, a moment when you should splurge a little more, and that is for honey. Mm. Honey is a very funny thing, and as we always say, honey is a category, not a flavor. <laughs> yes, it is. People think it's a flavor, some people, and it is not. It is a category of all kinds of food substances, and better honey is worth it because better honey has more floral overtones. It sometimes even has bitter overtones. It has all kinds of unbelievable flavor depth. And what you want to avoid at all costs and read those labels is honey that has been doped with artificial flavors oh. because some honey, let's say, is doped with artificial orange flavoring when it says orange blossom honey. You don't want that. The mm -hmm. honey's never been near an orange tree. You want to get the actual thing. And in this case, I think we really are talking about 50, 75 cents. We're not talking about a great deal more uh, for the better stuff, but you want to up your game on your honey. You do. You don't, and you don't have to go like to the local farm stand where he's going to be charging you a lot of money no. for his honey. Even the supermarket, you can get, you know, a clover honey. But here's, you know, I was watching a show, you know, that show Explained, I think it's on Netflix. It was uh, it's a Vox show. It, it, and it's fabulous. They, so they did a show on honey and it was fascinating because there is actually now the honey police in the import, uh, whoever monitors our imports here, um, and they test all honey coming in because honey coming in from China, what they said on the show, is often actually cut with corn syrup. And it's oh, sometimes not even true honey. Yeah. No. So you really want to, if you're going for cheap, no label, no nothing honey, you might not even be getting honey. So read the labels, see that it's produced at least in the U.S., and you know that you'll be getting true honey. Okay, so after honey, this is, oh, gosh, I bet I've written about this 5,000 times in 5,000 different ways in 5,000 recipes in 35 books. So lead off. Okay, we're talking about canned broth. Okay, it's a, we all use it. It's in our, all of our pantries. And Mark and I have always said this on other podcasts episodes we say it in front of cooking classes all the time mm. not all canned broth is created equal mm. some is saltier some is sweeter some is more oniony the more you pay it, the more likely you'll get a better quality and there's really only one way to judge and this is what we tell everybody the next time you have a few extra dollars buy two or three different kinds of broth and don't go for the the crappiest cheapest but go you know sort of more high-end read the labels make sure that real chicken is in it that it's salt is not the first say, ingredient let me also say one piece of that is um don't be fooled by celebrity faces on cans of broth <laughs> just don't because they've just sold their likeness that's yeah all. just don't they have nothing to do with it um take them home warm up a little bit in the microwave of each container 
Taste it like a broth, like a soup. The one that you like best should be the broth you use, no matter whether and it's $2 a quart or $3 I just want to add here that tastes vary dramatically. And in fact, one that I find not good, you might find great. Right. And for example, I don't want an overly oniony vegetable broth. You might want an oniony vegetable broth, mm-hmm. and that might be more to your taste. This is about finding the broth that fits how you cook and how you taste food. And not all is the same. There are beef broths that seem super sweet to me, even though there's no sugar in them. There's others that seem more savory. I'm going to go always go for the more savory one. But it's it's a large, large category of canned broth. Now, I said you should buy a few and open them and taste them, but I don't want you to waste them, right, Mark? No, you don't want to waste them. Uh, it would be silly to do that. So what do you do with it? Well, I would taste them and then either make a pot of soup or stew, which you could freeze, or you could put the container of broth right in the freezer and then thaw it when you need more broth. No, it may not be your favorite one that you tasted, but that's all part of taste testing. You'll have them in the freezer for, for another use, right? right? Exactly. Because they don't last for ever in the fridge and no what else doesn't last forever um well this is a big one to me and that is dried spices no they don't last forever no they don't um they do last a long time in a cool dark place which most people don't even know what that is it's such a cookbook cliche but we're generally talking about an interior pantry in your house that is still in an air-conditioned room and still it's not getting too hot and we're not talking a kitchen uh without air conditioning up on the shelf and we're certainly not talking about the back of the stove oh i love when people keep their bottles of spices and their bottles of alcohol oh, on the back of the God. stove um so yes dried leafy herbs like thyme oregano rosemary basil they can last a year they can sometimes last up to two years if they're stored properly but they don't last forever which means that sometimes when you buy that giant bottle of dried thyme that is two gallons of dried thyme 900 pounds of dried thyme you know, actually, you're wasting your money because by the time you get down halfway down that bottle, that time is going to taste like dust. Yeah, but you had to justify your big box store subscription somehow. <laughs> you did, <laughs> but it's going to taste like dust. My favorite thing is the way cinnamon, which actually loses some of its spark mm, six to nine months, even stored well. My favorite thing are those giant, giant containers of cinnamon that people use, and it doesn't even really taste like cinnamon anymore. It has a kind of sweet, mildly sweet spike, but it's not cinnamon. No, and so when the recipe says dust the top of your cake with it, they they're they're using that word on purpose. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really dusting the top. Yeah, of it's really cake. becomes you know like a coloring agent. Uh, that's what I used to say about my grandmother's paprika. It was a coloring agent. She sprinkled on things because paprika is another thing. It loses its efficacy and it loses its flavor very quickly. Now I want to say just here i want to say that we in our household do buy these giant bottles of spices but that's because we're writing 35 cookbooks plus lots of corporate work and plus lots of sponsorship work and honestly we are going through that giant bottle of dried time in i will i'll go through two of them a year easily yeah i think the last time we were at your parents house and i was cooking i was looking for some curry powder just like to put in a little bit of a dressing And there was a bottle, there was a can, it was a little flip-top can, which yep. they haven't made in 40 years, in the bottom and the back of <laughs> your mother's spice cabinet. And I was like, wow, this is like, was this a wedding present? No, but it was probably when she made shrimp curry from when I was a kid. It's probably at least 30 years old. And I can assure you that that 
turmeric and all of those spices and the ground ginger, it's all lost its, its gone. savor. It's all gone. And it's become just kind of a coloring, yellow coloring agent for whatever you cook. So in the end, it's not that you should spend a fortune on those little expensive bottles of dried spices, but just remember that sometimes buying the giant bottle of spice doesn't in the end pay off because it doesn't lead to better meals three and four and nine and 10 and 14 months from now. So given all that, that what I said, we want to talk about a couple things really quickly that you can cheap out on. And since we've said what you should, you know, spend a little more for better meals, what can you actually cheap out on? I think when you're going down the frozen food aisle in the supermarket, you can go generic on frozen vegetables. If you're looking for frozen peas and carrots, frozen corn kernels, even frozen pearl onions, go generic. Because quite honestly, there if one frozen pearl onion is just like any other frozen just pearl about. onion. I mean, I'm sure that in some kind of weird, high-end, crazy supermarket somewhere, there's some bag of frozen, I don't know what, like cut okra that is better. But mostly, let me just tell you, if you don't know this, that vegetables are picked in the field at this point and flash frozen at harvest right yeah. there sometimes in the field. So you're often getting better quality in the freezer than you are getting in the produce section, especially yeah. in the middle of the winter. It's very strange because sometimes vegetables are picked unripe and they're expected to ripen in transport whereas in frozen vegetables they actually can't do that and so they have to pick the riper ones go into frozen vegetables i know it sounds weird but where some, else can you go uh, sometimes the taste is better but you're right you yeah. you can't you can actually cheap out on frozen vegetables where I else think. can you go generic um, you can go generic in the United States on milk. And I know that 8,000 dairy farmers in New England are going to come kill me, but you can. Milk is heavily regulated. Now, let's say that there is a difference between organic and non-organic milk. Mm -hmm. And generally, I always buy organic milk when I can afford it because I know the difference in the chemical signature on the milk. But let me also say that even within the category of organic, you can go with store brand because that's right. what we do. I buy the store, the supermarket brand organic milk, and it's about $2 a gallon cheaper than the name brand. That's and right. And it's still organic milk. Yeah. Don't. Don't worry about brand names in milk unless you, you know, your dad is a farmer for Cabot and then, okay, support your dad. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> other than that, honestly, milk is so heavily regulated that milk is milk. And um, in most cases, you can buy the store brand and not feel any deficit. Now, I go down the baking aisle and, yeah, flour, there's a difference necessarily between Absolutely. flours, but not sugar. If I'm buying plain granulated white sugar, now I'm not talking about brown sugars, which might have a difference, and I'm not talking about the the natural sugars and Muscovado the coconut sugar. I'm, I'm talking Demerara. about plain ground white sugar, granulated white sugar. In other words, refined sucrose. You go with the store brand. Go with the no-name brand. It's almost always cheaper. And there is no need to pay for a brand name for sugar. No, it really, honestly, refined sucrose comes from a variety of sources. Even in that bag, there will be a variety of sources from beets to, please don't think it's sugar cane. Not <laughs> anymore. It's not. It's almost always beets. <laughs> from beets, the other sources, it comes from all kinds of sources that are refined sucrose. It's all mixed up. It comes in the bags. And as Bruce says, it's not really all that important to pay up for sugar, for granulated white sugar. But here's something that is one little weird out. And that is something that you can pay more and less for at the same time. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I want to know about this one. And that is olive oil. Uh, of course. 
Sometimes you need to spend a little more for a good finishing oil. We yeah. mean by that a very flavorful, fruity, spicy, buttery, whatever kind of flavor notes you're looking for in a good high-end olive oil that you'll dip bread into, that you'll drizzle on, on vegetables but not cook with. You don't want to heat those up because you're going to lose all the subtlety of it. That said, you don't ever want to use that oil, as Bruce said, to cook with. And so what you want to do is find a decent grade uh, olive oil that is good, sturdy olive oil without having all that kinds of problems in the U.S. of artificial flavors, artificial bits all through the oil, which is very difficult in the U.S. because we don't belong to the, whatever it is, International Olive Oil Confederation or whatever it's one called. One world boohooey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't buy into the one world stuff. And so we don't buy into that. And so a lot of olive oil is artificially flavored, artificially colored. Yeah, because they just take crappy oil, put mm. green coloring in it and call mm. it olive oil. Not good. So like, this would be a moment in which you could test around. Now, I will say that we go to a lot of olive oil in ours and buy, Bruce buys giant. Can three be- liter. I buy three liter tins at a time. And yeah. um, at this point, I, I buy sometimes California, sometimes Italian, sometimes Greek. And I keep two kinds in the house. I keep one that's very, very flavorful, and I don't, I don't heat it up. That is still strictly for salad dressings, um, for dipping bread in. And then I have a kind that's less flavorful but still good quality olive oil. That's what I use on the stove. Yeah, and uh, honestly, you can both cheap out a little bit. Don't mm-hmm. cheap too far because you're going to go down into the processed and artificially colored stuff. Read those labels and see what you got. Um, but you can also spend up on this. And either direction, both up and down, will lead you to better results in your cooking. Well, great show. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And leave us a rating because ratings help. They do. Connect with us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Bruce is on Instagram as Bruce A. Weinstein. And check out that YouTube channel, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. Same name as this podcast, in which there are all kinds of videos. My gosh, you can spend a day watching all those videos. And you can even see us cooking in real time on Cooking with Bruce and Mark on YouTube. But in any case, we would like to see you back here. See? See? Can you see on a podcast? We'd like to hear you back here. We'd like you to hear us back here. I don't know. Come back for another episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.